This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to part three of Blue Monday's Jimmer Jilton special. It's day 30 of lockdown. Oh. I understand that your birthday is going to be a bit special this year, Jim. How are you keeping? Very well. Funny enough, listen, uh, I think Kevin Fever starting to set in a touch. Started last week, I was climbing the walls, Sean, climbing the walls. But towards the end of the week, I, I eased through it again and listen, just keeping myself mentally right and physically right and just dealing with it day to day. Work's been good. Uh, we've uh, managed to uh, really kneel down the next cohort for our academy here in Northern Ireland. Uh, I'm a bit of a dream crusher. I'm going to have to let one or two down, which is devastating. Uh, and I'm not sure how I'm going to do that. I think a personal one-to-one little phone call and tell them it's not the end of the world, albeit they may believe it is, but it's certainly not. Uh, so so things are taking over nicely. Uh and uh, as I say, I'm keeping my mind occupied. I saw on your Instagram that you were getting out for a, for a run and having a jog around. Yeah. yeah. How far? Oh, five k's. Five k's my limit now. Yeah. So it's not bad. These silly people keep nominating me for five k, five k. I said, stop it. Stop it. By the time I'm running marathons now, not my forte, right? Uh, as I always say to the kids, the ball never sweats. No. No, so I've done, I've attempted one or two and I've been okay with it. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 obviously the weather is so good, uh, and it's smegs on faces, yeah, and uh, and that's been that's been lovely. So being be, be getting out in the fresh air and actually, you want know to find as well, John, that with this social distancing, like people are walking with their heads down, and me being me, I want to have a chat. Oh, how are you? And you know, you're doing all right, and people are like, have a head down, it's making them rude. And I'm not having it. Do you think they saw you first and that's why their head's down? <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. I was that Egypt again. Don't you yeah. get the heavy there for half an hour? <laughs> but no, you're right. I was out walking the other day and came across a couple who were about, they moved about 20 metres away. Yeah. And, they, and then they had their back to me. And I was like, decent decent manners here. You could at least yeah, say hello yeah. or whatever. I but know, I know, strange so, times. 
yeah, so it is funny times, extraordinary times. Thanks, thanks. I, I meant to say at the beginning, thanks so much for, for part two. It was really great. Yeah. We got loads of feedback, loads of comments, yeah. got some new subscribers, and one yeah. of the main reasons was the fact that you were um, giving away your, your Inter Milan shirt. I certainly did. So at, at, later on in the show, um, we'll announce who's who's won that. Um, yeah. It's not it's not me, uh, so I'm disappointed. <laughs> so let's go straight in, Jim. Yeah, so we, cool. we, we finished part two. George had just been sacked. So we now go in. There, there's going to be four games under uh, Tony Mowbray as, as yeah. caretaker manager. He kind of transitioned into the onto the coaching staff. Yeah. Uh, what was it like with no Burley around? Strange, uh, very strange, not seeing him. He had a huge influence on everything at the training ground, huge, huge influence in the dressing room. Uh, a lot of players owed him a lot. Uh, not seeing him every day, his voice. Uh, as I said, one of his strengths was his consistency and his messages and his sessions. So it was different. And uh, and then having Tony there, you know, there was obviously that continuity because Tony was learning from George, I'm sure, I'm sure, uh, Tony gained great experience, valuable experience from George. Uh, but then Tony stepped in and, and it felt like a natural progression for Tony. Tony had always had a great presence in the changing room anyway. Uh, he had a great knowledge, top football 24-7. So I think there was a there was a recognition of all the work that George done, but then there was this this uh, this feeling, well, let's let's get together for Tony. Let's get Tony in the mix, acknowledging that. Uh, that there were going to be people, there was going to be a QMA long for the job, uh, but really uh, together, right? Let, let's do well. Let's try and get results here for Tony and see, give Tony a chance. Do you think he was ever a viable option to become manager? I think he would have been. Yeah, I think he. I think that certainly his uh, his 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 whole overall co uh, contribution to the club, as I say, his presence within the change room, new players. It would have been a natural progression. Uh, he made it, uh, you know, he, he, he made it known that, he, that this was the next step of his career. This was the next phase. He wanted to be a manager. And George Gohan offered an opportunity. And timing is everything in football. So I think he wanted to grasp the metal. And I think he wanted that chance. And, and like someone else had to do that a few years later. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, no, I think that, I think he was, but at the end of the day, I do think also that there was a huge, huge uh, feeling within the change room and also outside that, you know, this was a fantastic job and George had done a fantastic job and there was the capabilities within the squad to get promoted. So 17 days later, former Oldham, Everton and, and Manchester City manager Joe Royal is appointed. He's also familiar to, to older Ipswich Town fans as he was a, a former Norwich striker. Can you tell us what your, your first impressions were when, when Joe was announced? I thought it was a really good decision. I thought it was a really good decision uh, based on his vast experience in the game. And it needed that. It needed a steady hand. We were going through tough times. So it needed someone with that presence uh, within the English game. Joe was a big name. There's no question that Joe was a big name. I'd uh, known lots of footballers that worked under Joe and all were very positive. I knew he'd come in and uh, embrace the, the job. Uh, and again, I think his knowledge of having living, lived down here helped him. He knew that there was going to be certain rivalries brought up. I knew that, listen, Joe had experienced everything that the game had to throw at him. So 
and he had great staff. You know, Willie was a uh, you know Willie had been with him all you know all through his managerial career. Uh, Steve McCall then was brought in. I thought it was a great mix, and I thought it was a great decision because I think he I really believed that he could handle the outside influences and also have a major influence on the pitch. You've spoken about Burley's emphasis on on passing, and you know Joe Royal's teams were a little bit different to that, perhaps more direct in attack. You know what what were the the differences between the two approaches, and did you have to change anything in your game? Not really. You know, I I understood. Listen, Joe was a centre forward, and and a, and a very very uh, old fashioned type, if you like, and but was a top player, and and Joe's thoughts were get the ball into front players make them get hold of the ball, drop it off, get the ball away, put the ball in the box. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And if it works, it works. Uh, but he also, I think he also understood, he, he'd seen the Ipswich town from outside. He'd seen how he played. He, his teams had, you know, his teams had, uh, had come up against us and, and, and struggled at times and vice versa. You know, they had really, really good days as well, of course. But I think he was surprised by the quality of the player, like most people were. I don't think he realised the quality of the player still at the club. And I think when he realised that, you know, I think he felt that uh, that he could go maybe a different route and uh, and acknowledge that, you know, no matter what way he may have wanted to play, there was characters in the team, there were personalities in the team who would influence others. You know, the ball going over the top of my head consistently wouldn't have happened. Do you know, and because I would have been barking at centre halves and fullbacks, and you know, pass through the ball, let's get this playing. But there was a time when you did, you could go back to front a little bit earlier and also play off that. So, no, listen, there wasn't a great deal of conversations around that. Uh, I think he just picked good players and he said, go and play. And that was the other thing. There was a positive influence uh, when you lose a manager. I'm not a big believer of players standing in front of a camera and turning around and saying, oh, training's this and training's that. And training's picked up and I think that's bunkum. I've heard it all my life. I think you're either a good pro or you're not. And training should be like that no matter who's in charge. So uh, the same people were there. The same influence was there. The same intensity was there. And that was important. And I think Joe recognised that. And and again, just come in and let, let things develop. And, and of course, like as any manager, you have to stamp your own personality on the football club. And, he, and one thing about Joe, he had a wonderful man management stay. He uh, was always engaging. He would always want to know about you. He would always have a conversation with you. And and that kind of way was uh, was was Joe. That was a that was a lovely trait that he had. Did he speak to you as a senior pro and said, you know, Jim, what do you, what do you think's happened here? No, I don't think so. We kind of, at, at the end of the day, knew what happened because uh, he was appointed. And and I'm sure that was outlined to him within uh, with David German, uh, Derry, and uh, the board. And he he would have known. I would imagine. Listen, I I know Joe would have known an awful lot about me because Joe's knowledge of players was so extensive. He knew he knew every player in the league. He could tell you he could tell you what they're having for the breakfast. That was again another great strength. He knew that he knew the leagues. He knew the players. He would have, he, and if he didn't know, he would have got information. Joe was an elder statesman in the game. Joe has a massive reputation in the game, and you only find out when you work with him and you work at close hands with him. And then when you walk in as his captain in the, in the referee's 
uh, dressing rooms of four games, and you could feel the respect that other managers had for him. So, uh, no, I, I don't think he needed that. I think he just wanted uh, to really engage with the players and give them a, a, bit, more, a bit more confidence, uh, knowing that they were in really difficult circumstances. Um, you talk about, you know, uh, him being a centre forward and one of the things when a new manager comes in that players try to stake a claim in the first team and, and up st- step Pablo Canago, one of yeah. the first ones. Now, Pablo's style is pretty distinct from any of the other strikers yeah. that you've played for. You know, he wants ball to feet. He's got his back to goal and defenders yeah. closing into him. From a central midfielder's point of view, what challenges and opportunities does it uh, playing with a player like Pablo provide? He was a dream. For me, a dream because Pablo secured the ball. Now he had ups and downs, obviously, because uh, at times you weren't sure if Pablo actually really fancied it at times, but that was just his personality. And he, and, and Pablo Pablo was a, as, as good a player as I played with too, uh, you know, because I had this, you, you trusted him. There was a mutual trust. And I knew if I could get the ball into Pablo or any of the midfield players could get the ball into Pablo in and around the box, he made things happen. And uh, I remember we got him. He played for, I think, the Spanish under-21s against England and scored a hat-trick. And then we ended up getting him. I think Xavi played that night as well. Xavi and him ripped England to shreds. And when we got him, I thought it was a massive coup. So, no, for me, Pablo was a match winner. You just had to get Pablo at the levels. And at times, because of his laid-back personality. Now, Pablo had a real streak, and a nasty streak, and you need that to be a top player. Uh, uh, he sometimes gave off the impression that you could strap a bed to his back, you know, and he was that laid-back. But once you got him on the park, and once you got him switched on, he was a very good player. So, you're in the team from the word go under Joe Royal and, and things start to click at the back end of 2002. And I want to take you to December. So, you, you travel up to, to Anfield for a, a, a League Cup tie. You start a sub. Um, yeah, I didn't on. go down well. I did not go down well, John. He left me out. He went for a walk and he left me out. And this would follow year after year after year. Every time, he said every time I had the League Gym out, it was like, oh, how do I do this? Even, even the man of his experience. So going to Anfield, I'm thinking, mate, well, I'm going to play. Left me out. I was grumping, grouching, and uh, baiting, and obviously looking forward to the game. But anyway, sorry, I interrupted. No, no, you're <laughs> fine. I'm, I'm used to a gym. Um, so <laughs> you, um, how, how did he tell you? I don't know. I think he sent a telegram. I think it was like a... <laughs> I think it was Harry Potter. I think yeah. Harry Potter had the eye and he just dropped yeah. it on the table. Uh, he just named the team. I think he did a runner. <laughs> no, he named his team, and then he uh, and then he stepped aside. And Willie came up to me, and Steve McCall came up to me, and no, listen, he named his team, and that was fine. At the end yeah. of the day, I knew it would I'd take part at some stage, so uh, so it was all right in the end. So you, you came on, like you say, with, with 10 minutes to, to, to go and you played through extra time and in that time you'd, you'd hit a post and then it yeah. went, to, went to penalties Yeah. and you scored a penalty at the, at the cop end. Um, yeah. Did you have a feeling at all during that game that that was going to be the last time that you'd, you'd play at Anfield? Yeah, it always, it always crossed my mind. I remember warming up and I was getting a bit of stick. The sketches were giving me a bit of stick and, uh, and, and the game was on a knife edge. You know, it was one of those games... And I was just itching to get on. You know, I, you, going to places like that, you want to you wanna enjoy every second of it. 
I was blessed because I played on a Tuesday night in reserves. <laughs> but, you know, playing there, the feeling of playing there, the crowd on top of you as well. And listen, that was that was home to me as well. That's, you know, that's my mecca. And I wanted to go, I wanted to get on. I wanted to prove that I could still play at that level. But of course, through your, going running through your, your head is, will I ever get this opportunity in? And, and, and I, when he got the call, boom, on I went. And actually, it was brilliant. I remember being brilliant. So that's, <laughs> uh, well, in my memory, my memory's fading, like, you know, so. It happens uh, with age, happens with age. I want to ask you, <laughs> the last time you played Liverpool, you were, you were on the bench and we, we played them at home. We lost 6-0. You, you shared the story that um, yeah. they asked you to go on and you, and you yeah. weren't going to go on. How many times did they ask you to go on at Anfield? <laughs> Once yeah. Joe Joe knew warming warming up and I just didn't do it, you know. Yeah. He, he, he was brilliant. He just say, "I need you to put your foot in the ball. Go and put your foot in the ball." So I went out and put my foot in the ball, and we got you know, and we got playing, and and it was a great game. It was good. it was end to end. There was a lot of you know, you think of their team, you think you know where the last thing we went there, we were so good. Or sorry, the the last thing we did, we got hammered. But you all the feelings when you go to our ground, you remember. By the way, we won here one 0 We've yeah. actually come here when nobody gives us a, a hope and hell chance. So, in any game of football, you have a you, you have a chance, you know. So when I went to penalties, you're thinking, right, we will have a chance here. And yeah, I remember being very nervous. Jersey dude, acting go. I'm thinking, there's a cop. What will it do? And when I scored, I was like, yes, get in. It was, yeah. yes, get in. You know, I'm wearing blue tonight. And uh, so, so no, it was great. And unfortunately, Jimmy, Jimmy Clapham missed. Yeah, hit the yeah, ball. Donut. And uh, so, yeah, so it's disappointing. But listen, we gave a really good account of ourselves and we could, we walked away and there was a lot of good press around it. And uh, and Joe saw the quality. I think Joe, again, that was a recognition. Hang on, we've got good players here. If we move to, to February 2003, on the, on the 5th of February 2003, Towns Wembley assistant manager Dale Roberts sadly died yeah. of cancer, age 46. How, how important was he in the success alongside Burley? Oh, he was massive. Uh, it was George's confident. They'd been, uh, they'd been together, I think, from very early ages. Dale was in the youth team as well. Uh, do you know what? Dale was... Dale was sadly missed. I had a brilliant relationship with him. I had a fantastic relationship with him. He was one of them brilliant characters. He could, he could, he could cut you down with a one liner, and uh, and he was, you know, he, he could be aggressive with you, and he knew how to get best out of you. Uh, he'd come and have a quiet word, and uh, and I really liked him because I could, I could wind him up, and he could wind me up, and you know, there was a and and George, and never replaced him, if I'm honest, and missed him dearly. I'm sure he did. We all did. He had a massive influence on us all. It was uh, it was a really sad day. It was like losing one of your own, you know, and he had played such a part in everything that uh, that George had set out to accomplish and, and Dale went with him the whole way with it. A few days later, we have a very emotional game at home to, to Sheffield United, um, which some people would say almost rivals the, the, the Bolton playoff semi-final. Can you, can you remember that game? No, tell me what happened. So we were 2-0 down. Pablo yeah. being Pablo gets sent off. Um, yeah. And then we uh, finally come back and beat them 3 2. And, I and, remember that. Yeah. Yes. Tell me who scored. It's not like me. Uh, Ambrose. Yes. Darren, Darren Bent. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think Darren Bent got two. I think. Right. Very yeah. good. Yeah. Well, that, that kind of way stoked, that stoked the fire, didn't it? And uh, and I think there was a lot, obviously, there was a lot of conversation centered around Dale after that, wasn't there? And uh, 
I think Joe spoke very well about it too. Can't believe it because any any time you beat Warnock, must have been manager, was he? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Him, anytime you beat him or his side, uh, there is quite a lot of gloating goes on in the changing room afterwards. Almost uh, respect for him for what is of achievements, but you always like to beat him. Yeah, without a doubt. March sees a 2-0 win at Carroll Road, the first town victory there um, since you've been a, a player. How did, how did you find those games at, at Carroll Road as a player? Uh, the build-up the build up was greater than the game, actually. Because uh, in the games, Derby games, you're always expecting it to be a little bit more high-tempo, a little bit more aggressive. I never found that. Do you know, I found, I found both sets of players very respectful. Which I, you know, I was like, you know, can we just be slightly more nastier? Do you know? And uh, yeah. so, so the games kind of way, yeah, listen, there's a, a lot of hurly-burly towards the start of any game, do you know? But I expected a little bit more in the games. I think the fans, obviously, uh, it was a little bit facier in the stands. Uh, and there was a recognition, again, from both sets of players that that is the case. And it is very much blue and, and yellow. And you got to go and you got to win the game. And... Uh, and it is pride and all those sorts of things. But you know what, Sean? The moment you go out, you, you got it again. The triggers for me was not because it was a derby game. Yeah, there was a, there, there's a level of importance, but it was about this is a game and this is a game we we, we got to go out and win. And you know, it's another fixture for us, an important fixture. But it's still a game, and it's a game. Where's the strengths? Where's the weaknesses? How are we going to win the game? So you didn't you didn't do anything different in it for a derby game? No, because. If I'd have done something different and had an absolutely worldly, then I would have kept doing it for the rest of my career. So I just try to stay very consistent. This is what I'm going to do. Who am I playing against? Who's going to, right, okay, let's get fixated on the game. Play the game, that occasion. Listen, there were brilliant occasions, I have to say. The fans did everything in their power to help influence the team. There is no doubt about that. And I loved going in. I loved embracing that. That was, that was very passionate for me. The moment the game kicks off, you and your mates can't influence it, right? You can only influence it if we score a goal or you encourage us. Absolutely get that. But the influencers are on the pitch and you got to be able to influence the game on the pitch. So, you know, picking up on that point, do you, do you find that, you know, when fans are, are, are booing or cheering or, you know, any comments, who, who's leading that? You know, are, are the players actually setting the atmosphere, you know, setting the, the atmosphere for the fans or are the fans, is the fans' atmosphere sort of geeing you up as, as players to reach another level? Well, it's a bit of both. You know, it depends again on your character. If you're influenced by the fans, you shouldn't be in the game. You shouldn't be a professional footballer because really, yes, of course you're aware of it. Of course you are. You're not, you're, you know, you're not human if you're not aware of it. But you gotta, you, you gotta believe in yourself. You gotta trust yourself. You know, whether it's 80,000, 100,000 at Wembley or whatever it is, or there's one man and his dog, you're, 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 you're on the pitch. You influence it on the pitch. So, but what, what we, what, Sometimes I, I think we get lost in all this is that we're in the entertainment business. Yeah. People are paying good money to be entertained. They're not being in there, they're not sitting in the stand, they work hard all week, they pay their dough, they're coming to be entertained. So let's try and entertain them. Right? Let's not be that let's one thing a fan wants is effort. They want to see effort. Do you know what I mean? Well, that's a given. If you're not putting on a shirt and you're not giving effort, you should be a bricklayer. And I love bricklayers. I'm not having to go at any bricklayers out there. So, you know, once you... Once, so it's then... The game is about... The game is about scoring goals, creating chances, being entertained. People want to walk away on a Saturday 
uh, and the snails on faces. So I was con I was always very conscious that that puts snails on faces. And uh, and again, the way the game is gone, it evokes opinion. We all sit and have a pint afterwards. Your opinion, you don't know what you're talking about. You're rubbish. You don't know if it's pumped or stuffed. You know, and all this banter and what about that for a goal? What a goal that was, and and what a save and whatever else. We it, it evokes emotion and it evokes opinion, and that's and that's the game we love. So the the season ends with with Town in seventh. We just you know miss off uh, four points off the playoffs. Yeah. Given, given the change in manager, the, the club went into administration, and there yeah. was a massive turnaround in players. Was was the season? Can we consider it a success? Yes and no. I think we were disappointed not to get into the playoffs. I think Joe was disappointed uh, again the quality of player we still had. I think we were all disappointed, but by and large. Given the outside influences and given what we'd just gone through, yeah, listen, we we would have taken it, or would we? I'm probably being hypocritical. I'm talking to myself here. Would we? I think we were still disappointed. I think we were still disappointed uh, with just finishing outside, and uh, but there was foundations laid. Ambrose was emerging. Bent was emerging. You know, there was one or two others going to play. Garvin was playing. You know, there was good players, good young players in the in the group, and there was a feeling. There was definitely a feeling, and that was generated through the manager and his staff too. So a lot of a lot of uh, credit has to go to him too. Definitely. Um, from a personal point of view, obviously the change of style under Joe Rawl saw you um, weighing with a, a a large number of assists compared to previous seasons, and you became. Uh, well, you probably were very good at set plays, but you certainly had more options to to, to do that. Um, was there was there a lot of work on on you? You know, assisting goals and and taking free kicks. I I practiced every morning. Yeah. So I was in early. I got supple and price in, and did I have to pay them? I probably had to pay supple more than price. Uh, and I and I had this and and I and I set up the wall and and everything else and uh, and I practiced and practiced and it was about quality and Willie was big on set pieces and it was about delivery and so it's like anything you want to be better at something you go and practice so i i i love practice loved enjoy hitting areas hitting areas thinking about golfers the great golfers thinking about the r's the thousand shots i think uh sir alex made reference to that in his book about the repetition repetition so that when you come into the pressure cooker situation if it's a hundred yard chip to win the masters it's because you've hit that shot a million times so I kept thinking about that, and it was reputation for me getting out there, practice, practice, practice. But it's like when I went to when I went to Southampton, having left Oxford, I had every penalty and every free kick. I missed one penalty at Oxford, but led Matt Latiz. So I wasn't going to take penalties or hit free kicks. So you put put your hands up and said he's actually better than me. So when Roycer played, or Vino, for example, and there was an opportunity for set piece in the round of box. Martin Russia was a better dead, dead ball specialist than me in terms of how he hit his uh, uh, or how he approached free kicks. So you go, fit me, away you yeah. go. Now, if you don't put it in the top corner, you and I are going to fall out because I'm hitting the next one. But by and large, he was he was very good, Roycer, and excellent set piece. But again, I took that responsibility on and I wanted to practice and I enjoyed practice. I like the fact that Martin Roycer was, was scoring free kicks under fear of being, um, you know, <laughs> spoken spoken to you by you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always stood quite close to him saying, better go in, better go in, but no pressure. <laughs> uh, 
Let's move on to 2003-04. So you've, you've turned 34. Uh, you've been given the captaincy. Matt Holland has, has departed in the, in the summer. And remarkably, you're going to start all 46 league games this season. Was there any expectation from Joe Royal or yourself about, you know, how many appearances you were going to play that no, season? No. And again, given Joe's knowledge and experience and the knowledge of his backroom team, I said, was, let's see how far he can go with this. Let's see. And I, and the last thing I wanted was pity. <laughs> and the last thing I wanted was to be a token gesture. Let's just, no, for me, if I couldn't influence players or influence the game, then put me in the stand or put me in the bench, do whatever you have to do. Listen, the team comes first, 100%. I'm not going to make it easy for you to leave me out because if I think I'm doing well and I think I deserve to be in the team, I'm going to tell you that. But by the same token, if you're not doing well, you don't deserve to play. So Joe must have felt I still had an influence on the group, and that was that was great. I didn't, I actually didn't know that stat, Sean. I didn't actually know I started off, uh, which again was was fantastic, and I obviously was trying to enjoy every minute of it. That, that's why you follow the Renegade Stat Man, Jim, on Twitter. Absolutely um, correct. So coming out of ad- administration, Joe Rule builds a team through free transfers, Kelvin yeah. Davis, George Santos and Andressa Diallo, but yeah. they, they failed to produce the goods and we're, we're bottom in September. Yeah. Money's obviously still an issue. So uh, Marcus Bent goes out on loan, which allows us to sign uh, Chris Bart Williams and, and Alan Marn. Yeah. Uh, they arrive and the results start to pick up. Were you, were you frustrated at that time to have such little financial power, you know, the club to recruit and improve the team? Yeah, of course you are because you, you don't want to be, you, you don't want to be where we were. I've never been there, other than the Premier League. Uh, and, and that didn't sit well with me. It didn't sit well with anyone. It didn't sit well with any of the players. Certainly didn't sit well with the manager. So, but there was a kind of recognition that things are things had changed. Because when Bart Williams and Man came in, right away you knew quality. Obviously, we knew both of them. So Joe, Joe, again, you look at the two managers. The recruitment was brilliant, really good. Drizza was an out and out defender. George Santos was. Ron Seale, it says exactly what it says in the tin. It does exactly what it says. So George was a night-night stopper too, you know, and I'd been through the lower leagues and this was an opportunity for him. And two great lads, two brilliant lads in the change room. But, you know, we needed we needed extra quality. You can't keep going on and, you know, and any, it's about the players. It's about the quality of player. So when they came in, they gave us this surge because we knew we had quality then and we knew we could win games. Kelvin Davis was a was a great keeper, and I want to go yeah. back to a, a keeper that um, played previously in, in Andy Marshall. Obviously, when when he joined uh, joined Ipswich, we we just signed Serrani. He came across the border from from Norwich, but things didn't yeah. quite work out. Do you know why that was? Probably pressure more than anything. Pressure of that move, and maybe Andy took it too too much on himself. Maybe that that did have an impact on him. I'm sure it did at some stage. I liked him. I liked Andy Marshall. Uh, again, a great lad, great and great trainer. Uh, when he got his opportunities, did he make the most of them? I think in games he played had some very, very good games. Maybe it was just the whole impact of the of the move. And listen, if you're going to make that sort of move, you got to have great inner belief and confidence. I'm not saying he didn't. I'm just saying, and and you need luck, and you need to have a good good start. And if you have them two things on your side, then you're in business. If you don't. It's easy for a blue to get on top of the yellow and, and, and look at negatives. And maybe that just got to him. 
We go to September 2003. One of my favourite games. It's um, Shefki Kuchi's debut, and we have a a classic Jim Magilton uh, performance. Uh, firstly, a, an extraordinary assist for for Kuchi's goal. Ball played through, and then you spin away from Chamberlain and put the go- the, the ball into Kuchi's path. And and secondly, uh, I've, I've, this question was written for, by by someone else for me, and they've they've tried to describe it. So I'll say what they put. They've, they've um, they say it's they've come up with a first time no eyes reverse chip from the edge of the box Beautiful. for the winning goal. Beautiful. Great. I couldn't have put it better myself. Tell us about both, um, particularly the thought process, and, and and what gave you more satisfaction. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. I remember at halftime, Joe and Willie had had a conversation and we shifted the, the shape of the team and we kind of like freed me off. So he, and, and he just said, listen, play in, play in little pockets of space in behind and let's see if we can influence their midfield because it was kind of like a drab first half or they were kind of way locking us in there wasn't enough uh we, we didn't show enough courage on the ball i think when he changed the shape it, it freed off room and it freed off a little bit more pressure on us so so we managed to string a few passes together and i remember i remember landing on it and i and, and this never changed with chef if i land on it with space run i am that come tom brady or john elway quarterback you better run if you come short right I am going to kill you. Run, right? So we did, and I remember. I remember first thing he did, spun as the ball was coming. I had a little look, and then the only pass I thought that's going to land in his land in a, in a, in a stray was the outside of the foot, because anything else I didn't have time. I was getting shot, so I thought, right, I'm hitting this. So right away, boom, instinct, and lo and behold, the big lad just goes and scores. And so it was brilliant for him, and. And it was a, it was a, it was a good ball for me. Like, but uh, no, listen, brilliant for him to come. Reputation, scoring your debut, class. So good. The, the, the other one was just pure instinct. Pure instinct. As it's come to me, he's off his lane. He's off his lane. Then it was about the execution. This actually used to try and chip all the time. You know, there were times that season, maybe the season after, I just tried to chip every keeper. And the bigger the keeper, the more I tried to chip. Brian Jensen at, Dar- at Burnley. Tried to chip him about 12 times, I think, in one game. 
and hit the bar. Hit the, so, so no, it was just pure instinct. I just, I had, in training, I used to do it quite a bit because I knew goalkeepers would reposition. So I hit it early. He was expecting the touch. So I hit it early and listen, it was an execution. Sometimes they go flying or he catches it and, and cherries and, you know, but that one went in. So it was great. I don't want to turn this into news night, but if I could ask you to, to answer the question. Um, so what was it? The, 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 the assist or the goal, Jim? <laughs> oh, the goal. The goal. Of course, without the a doubt. The goal. Are you kidding me? The goal. The celebration was cool too. I remember <laughs> just standing there, I thought, well, do a run or do it. Nah, just acknowledge it. I just stood there in the arms up. So it was the Cantona one, but it was the Magellan one. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Did, did, you ever, did, did you ever practice celebrations in the, in the, in the mirror? <laughs> Not a chance. Not a chance. No way. I didn't score enough. My favourite comment out of all of that is when you told Shefki that if, if he ran towards you that you were going to kill him. And my first thought was, good luck with that. He was like a man, <laughs> a man mountain. Um, yeah. Eight wins in nine. And, you know, the arrival of Cucci really helps the team. And, you know, we've talked about a number of strikers, you, you know, before. But can you have a go at describing Shefki? And he was a, a bit unique, a bit eccentric. Yeah. All of that. Yeah. Uh, my boys, two boys, loved him. They'd just seen this man mountain. It was the biggest walk in grizzly bear they'd ever seen. So, big chef had a touch like a grizzly bear too. No, I'm joking. Uh, if he's listening, I'm joking, big fan. No, he he gave us presence and he gave us pace. And you think of him and Bente, you know, the last thing a defender wants is facing his own goal and having defend. And when you have that physicality as well, Shefki was a real handful. Now he would lick you like a teddy bear at times because he didn't want to, he didn't, wasn't overly aggressive. I wanted to see him slightly more aggressive, but he gave you a lift because of everything that he brought to the change, bringing the change in ring. Now he could be a moody sort of times, but so could we all. So trained well, uh, just wanted to score goals, was dead hungry to score goals. And the one thing about him was that, uh, you know, he, he, he always came in with a smile too. You know, he, he, he enjoyed training. I think he's one of those very few players that have played for Ipswich that everybody thinks he was a great player, um, yeah. So which, which is good. Um, town fans, we soon, under Joe Rawl, got in, used to incredibly high goal-scoring games. If we go to January 2004, we played Crewe at home in a, in, a, in a tennis match score of 6-4. Was this a conscious strategy to kind of place less emphasis on defending and outscore them? I think he just saw the team. I think he's seen the makeup of the team and he's trying to think, work out who, are, who were the defenders in the team. I think because of our, our uh, firepower, it was kind of like going go and play. Obviously, there was an awareness of defensive responsibilities. You can't go into any game without that. But I think it was just a way, it was them serious, it was that series of, you know, unbelievable circumstances just in games. So you have to play the game. And, and, uh, and, and at that time, we just had this incredible firepower too. And, you know, and it was important that we uh, we kept winning games and we kept scoring goals. But also, uh, like if you have Willie Donnie and you have Steve McCall in your backroom team, they aren't high-fiving you after games thinking, yeah, they're delighted that we win the game. But there is a, you know, the, the, the serious point of that is we need to stop conceding goals. You know, if we stop conceding goals, could you imagine then what it would be like the other side? So, again... Obviously, everything positive, but listen, we need to do this, we need to do that, we need to do that better. But again, training was confidence was high and training was good, and you know, and Joe didn't put an awful lot of, you know, uh, 
importance on the tactical side of that in terms of, you know, he allowed the players to go and express himself and then Willie and, and Stevie would be in people's ears. Of course they would. Uh, defense, defenses win titles is what they say. So Totally. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, talking about defence, uh, so our leaky defence is bolstered by Matt Elliott. He comes on loan from Leicester. Um, did you play with him at Oxford? I did. Yeah. Incredible player. Incredible player. Again, an unbelievable reputation at Leicester, what he achieved at Leicester. But when Matty came, I think Matty came from Shrewsbury. He was a Shrewsbury to, to Oxford. He then overnight became an Oxford United legend. He was just this man mountain of a, of a, of a player, of a central defender who could play. Matty could play, and not only that, in both boxes, he headed out of one, and then he headed in then that and the other. He, his, his goal record was to not score really important goals, but he was a, he was a, again a top top player and a, and a top top lad. So when he came in, a run of six wins and seven cements a, a, a playoff place, and despite us not winning in our in our last three, so it's going to be your third time with Town in the playoffs. Um, how did it compare with the the previous experiences? It was different. It felt slightly different, uh, you know, because in the others, we were so disappointed. Do you know what I mean? Getting there, we were kind of like the underdogs to a large extent. So there wasn't as much pressure on us as such. And I don't know if that went against us, but uh, there was a feeling of relief too. You know, we're in there. Now, listen, let's ramp this up a bit. Let's get into this. Let's go and really, you know, impose ourselves. There's, there's lots to play for here. Massive, you know, prize at the end of this. Uh, and, and really looking forward to it. Was there anything different with playing the game, playing the first game at home? Yeah, you watch know on. Yeah, there was. Uh, because I think pressure to do well. Now, listen, I think in the game we did. And I think that uh, we missed chances. It was always going to be a tight affair. I knew it was. They really, they had really good players, experienced players. But there was a de- definitely a different feeling. There wasn't that nighttime feel, you know. And we were the game on first, I think. And I thought we did well in the game. Uh, but so did they. There was just a feeling that they came away from it thinking, mm, "Let's see what, we, let's see what the second leg is going to be." And we all know what the second leg would. You know, they they really ramped it up for the second. I mean, you're right. The, the the first game, just to fill it in, twenty eight thousand fans inside Portman Road. Darren Bent yeah. scores the only goal. Um, we get a clean sheet, um, yeah. and I think that's what you want to do. Uh, I can't stand Alan Pardew, uh, but you know he put together. You know his team was full of Premier League experience, and I think yeah. most of us walked away from that game thinking, "We'll take that. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll take that." So the second game, you have a one 0 lead, and you're an attacking team. Was there was there a strategy? What was the strategy going into that game? Well, there wasn't a protection of the of the of the one nil. There, there was none of that. There was that wasn't. But you could feel. We talk about we talk about atmospheres, and you talk about intimidate being intimidated. I think some of our lads went into it a little bit more intimidated. Uh, Joe made decisions, big decisions on the night, left one or two out, and was that an influence? I'm not. I'm not sure. I don't know because. It's only now that I'm actually really reflecting. I know how bitterly disappointed it was. And again, Pardew set his team up to play on the counter, even at home. But they really came out of the blocks. The atmosphere in the in the in the uh, in the stadium, and it was one of my favourite grounds to play. It was one of my favourite grounds to go and play in. But I felt that the occasion got the one or two. And um, Darren, 
Darren Bent misses a decent early chance. Yeah, yeah. and that that going in deadens the crowd. You know, uh, gives us a platform, gives you confidence. Uh, we talked about it getting off the quick starts. We created a chance, you're right, and didn't take it. And listen, as the game was wearing on, you could feel it grinding us down and grinding us down. Uh, we just didn't lack it. We lacked on the night enough creativity. We didn't create enough chances, I don't think. They kind of nullified a lot of threats too. And uh, and it was bitterly disappointing. There's a bitterly disappointing. Matthew Etherington curls in the opener in, in the start of the second half and then Christian Daly scuffs home his second. As a professional footballer, um, is, is there any point in games when you think we're going to lose this, even when it's kind of nil-nil? Was it, was that, was it that no. kind of environment? No, 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 not, not even at half-time. Half-time, I, re- I remember Willie being very strong with us. What's happened? You know, why aren't we playing? And he was right. You know, we've got to show courage on the ball. Let's get on the ball. Let's play. Let's start now dominating the opposition. And and I think it was one. I think it was one time where he just said, "We're winning the game." You know, we keep a clean sheet, we win the game. But let's go and play better because we haven't played as well as we have played. Go out and play. And I was kind of like, "Come on, let's go. Let's go and play. Let's go and play. Let's go and play." And and it kind of like it fizzled out for us. And when you're going through that, you're thinking, "This is not our night." And never once have I ever felt that in a playoff game. Never once, not even in the semi against Bolton. Never. I just always felt. And that night, the game just kept getting away from us and getting away from us. We, excuse me, we weren't as good as them on the night. And that, and that, uh, and if you're not right, and if you're not firing on all cylinders, you don't win a you don't win a playoff. So you're now 35. Sorry, you're you're aging quickly during this this pod, Jim. And. <laughs> um, Two seasons ago, go you were told that you were gonna uh, you could leave on a free, and since yeah. then you've, you've started another eighty-seven uh, league games, and you become the captain. Which aspects of the games were were becoming easier with age, and which aspects were becoming harder? Yeah, great question. Uh, the game was becoming easier for me in terms of uh, my knowledge of the game. You know, I was I was always a very uh, you know I, 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 a learner of the game. I always wanted to. I always wanted to find out uh, even the next fad in the game, you know, S&C coaches and all the rest. But Willie was big. Willie, Willie changed a lot of the aspects with me. And Will, Willie was brought up in a fantastic era of the game. But again, it was like an old school era. But Willie, Willie introduced yoga into the, the program, meditation, a lot of things, thoughts. You know, we all were in the yoga classes. I was useless at it, but loved it. And uh, so, so, for me, uh, I, I, I witnessed this next birth, if you like, of players coming in who were, it was kind of way, like my dad had a great sense of like, just because of bee buzzes doesn't mean it's busy. There were a lot of busy bees flying about who actually didn't really make a great impact in the game. By standing still, sometimes, you know, you see a lot of things going on around you and there's a lot of move, and but actually standing still and receive, still being responsible and still putting yourself in a position for the ball made it easier for me because you could hear people coming in after you and it's kind of way and you were just playing around people you know as long as you had a picture in your head and as long as you were still mobile to a certain extent you were still I still felt more than capable of having an influence on the games I felt that obviously there was a lot of emphasis on the physical attributes of the game I, that was that was becoming clearer and clearer, but 
again, I just felt very comfortable in that in that surrounding towards the latter stage because I'd, I'd gained so much knowledge uh, throughout my career with great coaches and great managers and great players that uh, that I knew that as long as I kept myself in condition, I'd, I'd still have an influence. So so pre-season wasn't probably as easy as it had been in the past. I think there was one eye on me in that, and I think they looked after me in that, which was great. Because as you're coming up, you, 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 your knowledge of yourself becomes greater. You, your knowledge of, well, listen, a day rest, a day rest. I, I hate it missing anything. I hate it missing, missing training. But for me to have an influence in the game on a Saturday, I had to, I had to be more conscious of me and my body and, and recovery. So... Before we get to the pre-season bit there, quick question is just an answer, yes or no, at this stage in the pod. Had you considered retirement? No. Good. Let's move on. 2004-05. So we've got a massive wage-cutting exercise to go. You know, we're, we're still massively in debt. And um, I don't know if I want to read out all of these players' names, but yeah, Marcus Bent, McGrill, Macon, Bart Williams, Wright, Santos, Armstrong and Royster all go. But, you know, Joe Royal being Joe Royal and experienced brings in uh, two good players. Jason DeVos comes in, uh, always rated him very highly. And, yeah. and your old mate, uh, your old mate, Kevin Horlock. Yeah. But perhaps more importantly, he retained the goal threat of, of Ben and Cucci and, and Pablo. Tommy yeah. Miller also coming in from goals. Did this feel like the team had improved from the previous season? Well, you don't lose them out of players until you've improved. You don't, you know, you, because losing that quality and depth, you, you're not improving the squad, right? So that that's fact, right? Uh, but what you can't deny is that the quality, the quality was being brought in too. You know, that was important. There was old heads in Kev and... I played with Kevin. I knew what he was going to bring us. Joe Bendy was going to be really important for us. Chef was always going to be, and Pablo was going to be important. So, who was the other one? Who was the other one you mentioned, Sean? Sorry. To- Tommy Miller weighed in with a number of yeah, goals yeah, as well. Did. Yeah. And who came with Kevin? Uh, Jason DeVos. Yes, of course. Yeah. Uh, massive. Yeah. He was massive. Massive influence. A massive influence with me, uh, too, when the, when the next stage of my career came in. So, uh, yeah, he was a massive presence and he gave us stability and defensively we became very strong and stronger, especially with the goalkeeper as well. He was outstanding. So, no, it was it was still equipped and geared to really have a go. So, no, there wasn't a lack of confidence, just that lack of, you know, the, the, the lack of depth of quality. So you start the season injured, and I'm sure I've said that a couple of times now, so I don't know what you do during pre-season, but you return at the end of August, and it's suddenly five wins in seven, top yeah. the league in, in mid-September. Yeah. Um, any parallels between this season and, and 1999-2000 at all? Yeah, there really was, Sean. There was a feeling. You got a feeling, and that's really important. There was momentum. Uh, again, the consistency of message, the consistency of training sessions, there was a feeling of training was good, really good. Tempo was good. Intensity was good. All the things that remind you of good teams, good habits. And there was a feeling growing. Players were confident. Uh, there wasn't an awful lot of chitter-chatter from staff. They didn't have to. Just kept people on their toes. So, yeah, there was a, a definite connection with that group. They were just, We were just in that lovely groove when there was a real... Uh, self-awareness of where we were and, and, and also an awareness of the opposition. 
Bendy and Chefsky were frightening the life out of people. They were scaring them to death. Miller was coming up with goals. There was just a, a nice, lovely confidence within the group. The, the team are superb. And leading into to Christmas, we've, we've signed Darren Curry from, from Brighton. Yeah. Uh, there's a there's another run of six wins in in eight through the winter months, but I'll, many of the town fans will will want me to ask you about this game. We you know we we play uh, Wigan just before Christmas, top of the yeah. table clash, televised at home. What what do you remember of of that period and and in particular the the, the Wigan game and and Darren Bent's late winner? Remember David Unsworth came didn't he as well? Yeah, Undy was a massive here again a massive influence. He, he hasn't joined yet. He hasn't no. joined at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I remember it being a really tough game, a really a tough, tough game. They were they were an aggressive bunch. They wanted to be aggressive with us, which was fine. Uh, they felt that being aggressive with us and trying to intimidate us was the way they were going to they were going to win the game, and uh, and they had a lot of good players. So it was a really tough encounter. And I remember like- thinking, we got to stay in the game. We got to stay in the game. There was there weren't many chances I ever remember rightly, you know, kind of we nullified each other. Uh, but you know what? As the game wore on, wore on. I thought we were going to get a chance, and uh, and I remember it falling to Bendy, and I remember him scoring, and I'm thinking, this this could be ours. This 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 year could be ours. This 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 is our year, and 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 I don't really go that far. I don't try not to, but I just had that feeling because of the game, the way the nature of the game. The feeling in the change room afterwards was huge. DeVos led it, obviously, because he left Wigan. It was just huge. And there was a real, yeah, there was a real feel-good factor in the, in the change room. And, and did I get caught up in it? Maybe. Uh, but still, a long way to go. What, what did you think of Leighton Baines, <clears throat> Leighton Baines' goal in, the, in that match? One of the people often say one of the best opposition goals scored at Portman Road. And what a player too. Yeah. What a player. And went on to do it many, many times after that. Uh, yeah, just quality uh, from a quality player. Really good player. Keep calm and carry on shopping, it says Jim, my cup. Uh, so you mentioned it. Yeah, that I spoke to someone the other day and I said, what I particularly liked about interviewing you is that you almost are preempting what the next questions are. So we've got, we talk about David Unsworth. He joins on loan from Portsmouth and on the 18th of February after a draw at Preston, you're top of the league with 13 to go, three-point gap to Paul Jules Wigan and a six-point gap to Mick McCarthy's Sunderland. However, in the, in the game against Leicester, uh, Shefki Kucci picks up an injury and what follows is a pretty terrible run. We lose three games, uh, Watford and QPR at home in the, in the week and then uh, Wigan away. Talk to us about that run and I want to speak to you about the match away to Wigan. Uh, it's a, again, a top-of-the-table clash. It's pretty much the first time that we see you on the bench for for a big game since you've arrived at the club. With all due respect to you being on the bench at, yeah, yeah. at, at Liverpool in the League Cup. Yeah. Uh, I think that uh, it probably was the right decision. Uh, I didn't I didn't enjoy it. Uh, but, listen, we, 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 we went there. I wasn't... It's amazing how it turns... You know, even even you saying that, I, it all bring, it all comes flooding back to me. That them emotions, you know, six points clear. You know, and again, there was always this feeling: good players, good teams. You know, we have to keep on top of the game, top of the game. So Joe obviously went with the with the the attitude of we're not going to lose the game, and we have enough firepower to win the game. So let's go, 
let's go toe to toe in terms of maybe a, a more combative midfield. You know, and because Bullard was there, Jared was there. You know, they had, they had nitty gritty. McCulloch played. You know, uh, so it was kind of a match him and and know that with the pace that we had up top, we could always hurt them. So away from home, it was a, it was a game plan, and and it didn't work and it didn't happen for us. But again, we didn't create enough, and there may have been a game with, maybe with that lack of experience. You know, in them sort of pressure cooker situations, although, you know, we had enough about us. We should have, you know, I, I just didn't think we were playing well enough with the ball. And Willie and, and Stevie and, and Joe recognised that too. But again, if you bring it to people's attention, they'll only focus on that. Joe's great things were coach when you're winning. Coach players, because they'll do anything. They'll stand on their head if you're winning football games. If you're losing football games you're negative and there's a negativity. So losing three and a half, there's a negativity attached around the ground. There's this, you know, there's this like unwritten, you know, uh, cocoon, if you like, being built and the atmosphere around, oh, they've blown it, they've done that. No, we hadn't. You know, we're still bang in the middle of this. We've lost games, especially in the championship, you know, Sean. Yeah. There's that many highs and lows. If you can, if you can gain a level of consistency throughout, then you stand a great chance of winning uh, promotion. We had a lull, and we and we had to react off that lull. So as as I said, we were we were three and six points clear. But after those three games, uh, with ten to go, we're now three points off Wigan and Sunderland, and we're in third place. But what follows is four wins in five, and you score two and two. Firstly, a nice finish against uh, George Burley's uh, side, and then you score your a uh, twenty-five yarder against Rotherham into the corner against Rotherham. Sunderland are clear now after an eight-game win streak, but you're three ahead of Wigan with five to go. Uh, How are the nerves going into the home straight? Great, because we've been there. Well, I've been there and a few others. A few others been there. I, I was very relaxed. I was, I was conscious that there were nerves within the changing room. You could feel it. And it was relaxing the players. And again, it wasn't doing anything other than coming in Plan yourself in training, right? Making sure you were spot on. Keep doing the same things, right? Keep focused. Don't let the outside influences uh, get to you. Play in the moment. Constantly play in the moment. Now, there was a lot of buzz around the town, of course there was. And there was a, a lot of excitement, but a lot of nerves too, you know. And uh, we needed to be able to stand up to that. Again, with Joe's vast experience, Willie, Stevie's, you know, we had enough experience in the backroom team not to allow it to get to us. So, the, so the, the, there's no, you know, there wasn't a, there wasn't any negativity around us at all, Sean. No. So second place is not to be, unfortunately. Wigan pick up 11 points and we only pick up six. So we finish um, third on, on goal difference. Um, obviously, we outscore Wigan, but I think we conceded about 55 yeah. goals that season. Yeah. Um, you're on the bench for the big game against Sunderland in, in yeah. that run, but... We, you round off a lovely move to score against Crew as well. Yeah. But we go into the last game level on points with, with Wigan. They're playing at home to Reading and we visit Brighton. Yeah. There's a 13-goal deficit in, in the goal difference. Um, I just have to scroll down here. You've been here twice before, twice in the late 90s. How did this final day stack up given Wigan put two early goals in and after about 20 minutes the, the game was... Devastation. Yeah. It, it really was. I fell out with the referee, funny enough. <laughs> uh, in, in the, actually in the tunnel 
I forget who the ref is. He's, he's met a referee in the Premier League now. He was wearing white boots. Wow. I told him to kick him off. Yeah. I sat there. I said, you know what's at stake here? You're wearing white boots. We're live on telly and you're wearing white boots. He went, what? I said, take him off. I said, well, honestly, take him off. Get them boots off you. It's not about you. Right? And, and again, he's looking at me thinking, is he joking? I was like, looking at him. I'm not joking. Take them boots off. Half time he changed his boots. <laughs> I, I couldn't believe it. And I'm, I'm looking at the, the referee's boots in another big game. But I said, it, was, it wasn't good, I have to say. And it wasn't good in the, in the change room after. It's the first time where I'm sitting there and going, do we have enough? I remember Tony Gale actually speaking about it. I'm not sure they have enough. Obviously, we're playing West Ham again, so yeah. he's giving West Ham. And I remember him saying, I think they've gone. I think they've gone. I think. And I'm going, well, we'll soon see you who's gone. And that kind of way got me back into the reality of the situation. But you know what? I'm not sure because there was still a lot of talk about players going and players staying and whatever. I'm not sure there was. And, 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 and I didn't feel it at the time. And maybe I'm looking at it now and thinking, was that a reason for us not to get promoted? I don't know. I just think that it was a long drive home. It wasn't a good feeling because of the opportunities that presented itself. You don't get many you don't get many opportunities to get out of the championship that were presented to us, that we kind of like fluffed our lanes. Did we have enough about us to go again? That was the thing that was worrying me. Could we go again? Could we really get ourselves up for the game? Playing away from home helped in the first game. And the reality of the situation in the first game is, my goodness, they came at us like a train. A train. But before the train leaves the station, was there any doubt in your mind that you wouldn't be starting that game? Obviously, mindful of the fact that, you know, the Wigan and Sunderland games, you were you were on the bench. I think he trusted me and I think he wanted me to play. I think he trusted he Obviously, he tr- he had great trust in me, Joe. Do you know what I mean? And and as did the staff. And maybe we just needed, well, we did, not maybe, we did need, we needed experience. We needed old heads in that sort of pressure cooker situation. I couldn't wait. So picking up the point, the train the train has left the station, and we're within thirteen minutes we're we're two nil down. Yeah. Uh, did you have any thoughts back to to Bolton in in nineteen yeah. in two thousand in the first yeah. leg? I did because they had real they had good players. Of course they did. Matthew Ellington gave uh, Dreza an absolute torrid thing. God love him. Tied him up in knots. But I knew they'd hit a plateau, and I felt then as the game was wearing on. I, it was. It's one of my favourite games, Sean, believe it or not. It's one of my favourite games because as the game wore on, I could see them wilt. I could see them and I could see them grow. And, and there was, they were begging, Ray Coker and all were begging and I'm, I'm loving it. He couldn't get near me. He was chasing shadows, Ray Coker. And I was loving it, right? And I'm thinking, we got these. Miller, again, free kick. I'm wound it up. All I see is a mass of bodies. I'm thinking, can I get it over the top of the wall? I said, Tommy, come here. Tommy had one of the hardest side food finishes. I said, Tommy, you, this is made for you, right? Don't even think about it. Get your head down, boom. And I'm thinking, Chris Powell, who was brilliant and a lot of respect for him, he could sniff it. He's trying to G him up. I knew we were on the ascendancy. Got in at half time. I'm, I'm, I'm flying, foam. There's foam coming. I'm going, right, we're on the front foot here. We have got these. They're not sure now. They've started. They're, they're, we have now put doubt in their head. That's good. Now we've got to go again. And then we go again. I think we started the second half like a house on fire. I think we came out the blocks really quickly. We were on top of the game, really on top of the game. So Shefki gets the equaliser. We're back to Portman Road level 2-2. Yeah. 
How confident are you going into the second game, given that West Ham had, had beaten us in the playoffs the, the yeah. previous season and also just beaten us at Portman Road a couple of months previous to the yeah. game? Yeah, and done a job on us. Yeah. Tactically done a job on us. Uh, and I wasn't... I, I, you know, when you when you go into situations like that, all feelings come through. So it's hard not to think about that night. Do you know what I mean? Set up exactly the same. They would have had doubt. They definitely were, were coming in the game with doubt. I remember speaking to Malky McKay and Don Hutchinson before the game, and, and they were, party was hammering his players about not getting after me and this, that, and the other. And I think they were psychologically playing the game too. They're, they're going to they're gonna do this and they're going to do that. And I'm going, yeah, yeah, let them try and blah, 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 and all this sort of thing. And so, uh, and again, Don Hutchinson and Malky McKay weren't in the squad. You know, they're sitting in the stand, so you did their depth where it was huge. I just felt very confident. Uh, I just felt that it was set up for us. Uh, the atmosphere within the ground was unbelievable. I think people were thinking back to you know that night and ready for it. I think we were all ready for it. There was no no question that we weren't ready for it. But again, you know, Bentley, I think Bentley missed a great chance early on, a really good chance early on, and it kind of like flattened us. And then as the game was worn, as the game was going on. They had real quality, fantastic Zamora and people like that. Martin Herbert come on, Ray Coca. You know, they had really good players. They they had great experience in their team. And they knew, you know, I could hear Powell chirping away, chirping away, saying all the right things. And as the game, again, as the game wore on, we didn't create enough. We came away just, it came away, and that was an awful feeling. Can't we just petered out? Yeah, I think from a from a fan's point of view, it, it was disappointing. But let's not take anything away. I think you're right from, from West Ham. And the, the the sight of Alan Pardew dancing down the touchlines is something that I've tried to erase from yeah. my mind. Yeah. Um, was it hard for such an attacking team to adjust to strategic battles like that in in you know one-off playoff games, effectively as it was winner takes all? Yes and no, because again, if that's the strength to your team, you're not going to change it for one game. There there has to be an acknowledgement. Without the ball, we have to be better. That you know that's. That was a weakness in our in our team, but but we're in a playoff semi final because of the strengths of the team, so we were very conscious of that. I'm very conscious that they could really hurt us without the ball. We give the ball away in loose possession. Bobby Zamora scores a great goal. It's over his head. It's a volley, and Kel he, he hits it really early, and we, and we get done, and we've gone for it. And again, it was huge disappointment, and we blew it. There's no point going. We blew it in the season. We had it in, the, in, in, our, in our hands and our fate was in our hands and we blew it. We absolutely blew it. There's no question about that. And for whatever reasons, we just let it get away from us. And going into that, we probably, you know, uh, the second half performance at Upton Park was our playoff and we just didn't have enough in the locker. Um, we, we spoke about the long-term effect of the club when they had the chaotic recruitment in, in summer 2001 where, where the, 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 the approach yeah. changed. Many supporters view this playoff semi as a, a no, another significant sliding doors moment where, where town missed out. Did, did it feel like that at the time, given the club's financial position and all of the saleable assets in the, in the side? Yes, it did, Sean. You can't, yeah. uh, it did. Because, again, as much as you don't want to influence you, Press was rife with it too. You know, there was a lot of talk around it. There was, you know, speculation around players. There was speculation around the club. 
You know, Joe done such an unbelievable job. You know, you look, you, 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 you've just lost two playoffs. How do you go again, given, you know, given the number of players that left the season before and given the players that he brought in to get to the levels we had to get to, to have the season that we had to not get promoted? There is devastation. You're, you're devastated. You know, so, so it was a difficult transition. Definitely, every, a lot was going through uh, our minds and a lot was going through my mind too. Well, could I go again? Could I really go again? So I'll ask you the question now. So it's 2005-06 and it's just a yes or no answer. Um, did you think about retirement during that summer? I didn't think about retiring from the game, but I thought, what's my impact? And that, that was always... And I had this conversation with Joe. And Joe being the, the, the fantastic man that he is, he felt that I could offer something. So that's, probably, that's probably because he, he, was, he was gained with he had, he had the knowledge that who else was going yeah, you know what I mean. Who else was going to go? So losing too many, I knew. I knew then for the first time in my professional life, I knew that I wouldn't probably start games, and that kind of way hit home to me, and how much that would affect me mentally. Um, if we if we talk about players, and you mentioned about the season before that we we lost some players, I'm going to list some more names now. So we, uh, you know. Kelvin Davis, he he goes. Bent and Cucci goes, and and Tommy midfield, uh, Tommy uh, Tommy Miller in midfield goes as well. That's over five hundred Ipswich appearances and one hundred and forty goals between them. Yeah. Um, Sam Parkin and and Nicky Force to come in and try and get the goals, but how hard is it to cope with knowing that all of these key players have left the club? It's really difficult. Given it was really difficult for me because I'd been spoiled. I'd been spoiled rotten. Because I had good players. And when you're playing with good players, it makes you a better player. And you're going into games, safe in the knowledge, you're not going to lose many. So I was going into games thinking, how are we going to win a game? And maybe for the first time in my Ipswich Town life, wearing a shirt, I didn't know how we were going to win a game. That was, that was and, and negativity has never been part of my life. So I was going into games, I wouldn't, you know, not overtly negative, but psychologically, knowing the opposition, how are we going to score goals? How are we going to win the games? How are we not going to concede goals? And how are we going to score on the other end? And I think that was that was playing on me constantly, you know. And and uh, and that's not a nice feeling. And that was not a nice way for me or the manager or the staff to be going in the game. Hey, listen, Joe never went in. I, I doubt that Joe, Joe would Joe would have acknowledged that. Same thing, yeah. you know, and he brought people in. Sam had a big reputation. Sam was a good player. He just didn't get hit the ground running, didn't kick off for him. He had good qualities. Nicky had a great reputation, uh, was an out-and-out goal scorer, just didn't happen for us. So, so again, you can't rely on others within the group uh, to take that on to the next level. We knew the levels we had to get to, and we simply weren't at that level. So at the, start, the first game of the season, you start alongside Owen Garvin. Was it was there a thought there at all about the changing of the guard from from you and to to Owen, and you know, kind of yeah. draw some some parallels between the two players? Yeah, he wouldn't have accepted that. <laughs> he was worse than me. He would not have accepted that. If you'd have said that, he'd have just said, "Yeah, just hand it over to me. I, you, you're done. Get you out. Just you know, that would have been Garvin." But, uh, and that's what I loved about him. Uh, yeah, of course there was. There was a recognition that Garves was going to step in. And there was a recognition that we had some player. 
where, where, you know, there was a recognition. When I looked at Garvin, Garvin, for me, never fulfilled his true potential. And he had this wonderful gait. He covered the ground. People thought, you know, when he was in, he, he was, he, he, his knowledge, his weight of pass, his quality of pass was excellent. He was a different type than me uh, because he could thread. He could really, he could really feel a pass in terms of, his instinct, he had more of an instinctive one uh, than me. Uh, and that's what I kind of way liked. He, he trusted them with the ball. He could handle the ball. And he was, and now they, when I look at, when I look at all videos, I look at Franz Tyson. He was nowhere near him. But when I look at how Tyson shielded and protected the ball, Garvin had a little bit of that. Because he was long-legged and he was sometimes quite ungainly. Not that Franz was ungainly. But he, but he got, managed to get himself out of situations. So, yeah, I, I recognise the strengths and recognise that, you know, if I can influence Garvin and give him a bit of my experience, he's going to be a, a better player for it. So the start of 2005-06 is a good start. We win three in, in five, but then I think on a bank holiday Monday, we get thumped 4-0 at home by Preston. Yeah. They, David Nugent, we might talk about him yeah. later. Um, and that starts a run of only three wins in the, the next 18. But then we do get a significant Magilton moment in November. You score your, your last goal of your career at Derby. It's a, a fantastic right-footed free kick. If you had to choose your last goal, was would that have been it? Probably not. Do you know what no. I mean? I'd like to have been at home. Uh, but, no, listen, it was, uh, again, it was just, you know, it was fantastic. Listen, every time you score a goal, it's fantastic. So it was huge emotion. Of course there was. There was always emotion. As I said, when you score goals, you go delirious. So, no, listen, that was an important goal. Uh, and, uh, and no, I didn't think it was going to be my last, but it certainly turned out to be my last. And uh, But no, I, I, I had, you know, there were fantastic moments. Uh, and that was another one for me. You know, scoring a goal for Ipswich Town is always a big moment. Yeah. So would, would you have taken a free kick as your, as your last goal or would it have been an amazing, amazing <laughs> dribble or a, or a 30-yarder? No, I took a free kick. I'd definitely taken a free kick, but it would have been nice at, uh, in the North Stand or somewhere like that, you know. So Fantastic. Uh, yeah, but that wasn't going to happen. And as I said, I, don't, I didn't really get caught up in it too much, John. It was the emotion, of course, of the game. I was always trying to be have that influence on players where I didn't get caught up in that. Get caught up in the game, that's what we're getting paid for. Now, for, for people who are listening and, and, and watching this, it's time now to, to get some tissues because I know a lot of people, you were you were their favourite player. And as I always tell them, no, he, he's my favourite player. You go, and, you, you go and get another one. But that Derby game signalled the last 90 yeah. minutes that you, of game that you played for town and you were yeah. going to be used to 60 to 70 minutes here and there and, and coming off the bench. Yeah, You come across, I don't know why, but as somebody who's quite competitive, you know, how, how did you handle that situation? Do you know what? Uh, there was just a, it was a lovely lead-in, and I couldn't have had a better manager to lead me out, to lead me out of the club in, in terms of playing. He did so much for me, had a huge influence on me. So for him, for me uh, to have it at Joe Royal was great because of again his background, his knowledge, his great experience. He 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 did it quite beautifully, I have to say. Up until up until the last game, because he, I remember him coming to me at halftime and said, "Well, do you want to come off now? Or do you want to come off?" I'm thinking, what's he talking about? What's he talking about? You know, I'm thinking, does he want to make a change? Do you want to make a change? Make a change? You know, but I didn't really get it. So I think he was giving me the opportunity to get, you know, a bit of an ovation whilst in the game. And I thought, what's he talking about? 
So, you know, obviously he wasn't keen and uh, uh, 100% to win the game. I said, no, listen, if you make it to me, I'll come off, no problem. And, and then I thought, me, oh, yeah. sick. So there you go. And uh, no, I hung about. There was probably part of me thinking, well, I'll just get off now. And <laughs> thanks very much. It was great. Yeah, see you later. So I think, every, I think everybody else was a bit worried about it too. I think he'll do a runner. He, if you don't get him, we'll let him, lock him down. Uh, so no, it was, uh, actually, you know what? I have fantastic memories as a player at that club. You know, it means the world to me. And the fact that I had, you know, I was part of dressing rooms and part of great players and managers and staff and fans that, you know, and my two sons were there. I, I remember, I remember that was, that, that was the emotion for me because my sons have been reared on uh, Ipswich Town, you know, and, and Warky and people like that were huge, you know, they, they, played a huge part in their lives too and listen walking out there what the players did for me you know and then the fans hanging about they didn't have to but they did the walk was quite emotional uh and it was and it was it was great it was just great and players uh i got fantastic texts and you know and and even to this day like when you when this what this is evoked is fantastic memories good and bad because disappointment and huge joy that's the game. That's the game of. That's the emotion. That's a roller coaster the fans go through. Well, that's the same sort of emotions the players go through. The end it in the way it did was just fantastic, and a huge debt of gratitude goes to users, supporters, and also the club, and also the manager, because without them, it, it could have ended differently. I'm glad I hung around. I'm really, really glad I hung around because it was so important for me to show my gratitude to a place that embraced me, gave me a platform to play, you know, give me this unbelievable field of dreams. I always say that, you know, the grounds when Alan Ferguson gave me a patch of grass that I could only dream of. So for me to play on it, be a consistent performer, give a little bit back, playing with a group of players I played with, listen, it was it was just heaven for me. Honestly, it was heaven. But but you're not you're not done because that was your last home appearance. No. As you and I know, Jim, it was 14 years ago today that that, that happened. But then you came on as sub um, at Home Park in uh, at Plymouth. Yeah. Um, and then the final whistle went. What what went through your head, and what what happened over the next few weeks? Oh, a lot of thoughts and a lot of contemplation and a lot of real tough questions. Did I have it? Was I going to? Were we were relocating? You know. Collecting the boys, we were heading up the road. We had Pickford at the door. We were ready to go. We were moving to Ainsdale. There were opportunities coming up. Joe was going to have a major influence on that. He was going to help me. Could I play on as a player manager? Could I have an influence? I, would, I just finished, you know, I was just participating in the um, coaching badges. And so the next phase of my life was complete. I was very at ease with it, Sean. I didn't think I was going to be at ease with it. So, but I definitely wanted, I knew the next phase, this journey I'd been on, 20 years as a player, wasn't going to go to waste. I was so determined to be a, be a coach or be a manager and feed off the fantastic people that had had an, an unbelievable influence on my life and career. So I wanted the next step. And lo and behold, the next step wasn't far away from me. But it was, do you know what? It was just uh, not often do you sit down and go, do you know what? You've done well. I think you got every ounce of your 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 ability and you were very lucky. I felt very, very lucky to have played at the clubs, to play with the players, 
a massive thank you for everybody that had an influence on me from a boys clubs from the teachers the the fans the you know, to, to everyone that had an unbelievable influence on me, I could not, I'm one of those lads that could not have done this without them. I couldn't have played in the team without the players around me. I couldn't have had the influence without them. I was so appreciative of everything that, that the game had given me. And then I wanted to continue in my career. I wanted, I didn't want to let it go in terms of, you know, this was my game. This was what I loved. What, what do you, what do you miss most as a player? Playing. Uh, the competitive nature, winning, winning. I love winning. A, a great coach, Vince Lombardi, talked about, well, if, if winning didn't matter, why do we keep the score? We keep the score because we want winners. We want people to win, right? And it's all right, Pat's in the back. Listen, after a game, you lose a game. Yeah, yeah, well done. See it. I hate it. And it's a Billy Bing. It's money, but I hated losing more than I enjoyed winning. Well, I was that sad man too. Now, I, I love the highs, love the highs, but I hate it losing. Oh, my God, I hate it losing. Hate it losing uh, probably more than I enjoyed winning, and I could enjoy winning. <laughs> 11th of May 2006, we as fans find out that, that Joe Royal is, is, is stepping down, and I think the phrase he used uh, with the local media was that he felt that he was juggling dust at, at, at the end with, with transfers. Um, how did that news break to you, and... You know, did did it start a thought process off in in Jim's mind about what the future could be? The the process of that he started, uh, Sean. So uh, I was shocked, I have to say, because of Joe's huge influence. We couldn't have had a better man in charge given the circumstances. He had pulled rabbits out of hats. He'd made us competitive again. There was a belief last season didn't go well. I think that uh, he wanted to continue. I didn't know that at the time, uh, but he wanted to continue. He was right. He was juggling dust. There's no getting away from that. I think, you know, with Ipswich Town fans, they're not, you don't, you don't suffer fools. You knew what he had done. You knew where he was coming from. You knew, you accepted that. Uh, and Joe just felt that we needed more uh, input, financial input. And I think as a manager who's been in the game so long, he wasn't talking rubbish, he was talking fact. And the fact that he, he walked away or whatever happened was a huge disappointment because, again, personally, he had a massive influence on me and I thought he had a massive influence on the football club and it needed it most. So after the 11th of May, who was the first person that said to you, do you fancy being manager? I had a phone call. Brenner rang me and he asked the opinion about managers and I kind of way dropped it in. And he kind of way said, do you want to be manager? I want. Do you know what, brother? I may want to be manager. <laughs> well, I'll tell I you what, Jim. Up, I remember going up the academy. Uh, David had asked me to do. There was something going on in the academy, and I, and, I, and there was a prize given to Joe Gunn. I went. I never, I never, ever, right. Obviously, uh, gone through an interview process, and I wanted to go through an interview process, and that's in the next. That's in the next one. Perfect. What a way to end, Jim. But before we do, <laughs> should we announce the winner of your uh, your Inter Milan shirt? Um, we had a, a number of people who had liked and shared and commented and, and subscribed to, to different uh, tweets and, and YouTube channels and stuff. And it, it was done randomly because if it wasn't, it would have been me or my son that would have won it. Um, <laughs> so do you want to announce who the winner was? The winner was 
Robert Metcalf, the yes. lucky, lucky winner. He is a lucky winner. So, Robert, if you can get in touch on Twitter or Instagram or YouTube or by emailing uh, bluemondayitfc at gmail.com, we'll arrange to get him to be in contact with you, Jim. And I think you said that, you know, you'd be quite happy I'll to sign. I'll send it to you, Sean. I'll send it to you. I'm okay, yeah. Sign it. Does he, if he yeah. wants me to sign it, I'll sign yeah. it. Good will stuff. You find, and, out, you find out? Yeah, I, I will find out for you, Jim. No problem. Uh, thanks for your time. Uh, I, I think it. we, you know, part four is going to be something that we're all really looking forward to. But that's not to take anything away from parts one, two and three, because it's been for me and, and, and the, the viewers as well, a, a real uh, insight into somebody who was very close, a fantastic, but also a difficult time at the club. So thanks very much, Brilliant. Jim. And I look, I look forward you to you in part four. Brilliant. Great to speak to you. All the best. Take care. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping. But in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.